This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. So I'll read it. It says, um, actually, I'm just quoting off hand, but it says, God who had sundry times and in diverse manners speaking time past unto the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days spoken to us by his son. Now that's the KJV. Um, reading from the ASV, it says, God having of old times spoken unto the fathers and the prophets by diverse portions and in diverse manners, hath in these last days spoken unto us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. You know, so in essence, he's saying that God in the times of old, you know, spoke unto the fathers by the prophets in different ways, you know, and in different manners. You know, he says, God who had sundry times in different times um, and in sundry ways, in different ways, using different methods, spoke unto the fathers by the prophets. You know, so God communicated the plan of redemption, you know, in different ways um, to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has is using a different method of reaching us. You know, he, he, say, he says, as in these last days, as spoken to us by his son. ESV says in his son, because that's a more um, accurate representation of, you know, the Greek word there is en, which is many times it can be by, many times it can be in. But in is more appropriate here because he's saying he spoke in different ways to the fathers by the prophets. But now he's speaking to us, he has spoken to us in the person of his son. What that means is that the son, which is Jesus Christ, is the sum total of all he has been trying to say to us from, you know, the beginning of time. You know, so if you um, look at the Bible, for example, many people divide into eight sections. You know, you talk about the law, which is Genesis to Deuteronomy, you know, the minor prophets, the former prophets, the writings, you know, things like the Psalms, Proverbs, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and all that. Then you have, you know, the prophets, the Gospels, Acts, the Epistles. Um, then you have Revelation, which is just a standalone book. But when we, to focus more on the Old Testament, you know, God communicated some things. And depending on which dispensation or which portion of the Old Testament they were at, he spoke in different ways. For example, in the law, which is Genesis and Deuteronomy, he spoke to them mostly via symbolism. You know, everything was symbolic. Like, everything was types and shadows. You know, he used things to communicate things. That like, you know, it wasn't so clear. He just used this. So you see things like the Noah, the Ark of Noah being a, is a type of Christ. You know, which was later referenced in, you know, the, the book of John. You know, the Holy of Holies was a type of, you know, heaven. Everything was, was just types, types, types and shadows. Like, you know, sometimes it's just a good exercise. Sometimes you can look into many of those Jewish types and you just see what they really meant. You know, for example, the staff of, um, the, the pole that they looked upon when, you know, snakes were biting the Israelites is a type of the cross. You know, you look at the cross and you get saved. You look at that pole and you get healed. 
from those snake bites and all. So that was mostly symbolism. But as it began to get closer to our time, there was you know what we call progressive revelation. Things became clearer, you know, and all that. But not to jump ahead of myself, it started with God who at sundry times and in diverse manners, you know, in different ways, spoke to us in those times. But now he speak he has spoken to us in the person of his of his son. Now let's look at a few verses um, just to understand this better. Luke 24, verse 13. So as usual, I'll be reading in the I'll be reading the KJV version. So this chapter was shortly after Jesus died and resurrected. At that point, that was like the breaking news. You understand? Because Jesus was quite notorious. You know, some people thought he was, you know, was just this person that to many of them who were like blinded, they just thought he was this braggadocious guy. Then he ended up dying. And some of his followers were like, what kind of guy is this? You know, and all of that. But he was the talk of the town, you know. And two men were, according to this account, two men were walking on the way to Emmaus. So I'll just read from verse 13. The Bible says, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was three score furlongs from Jerusalem. And they communed with each other of of all these things which had happened. You know, they were just talking about the, the latest happenings, the breaking news. Verse 15, And it came to pass, while they communed and questioned together, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So Jesus actually just appeared, but they, they couldn't recognize him. I mean, Jesus had just record, um, resurrected, you know. Yeah, and it says that in the next verse. It says, But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Verse 17, And he said unto them, what communications are these that you have one another as you walk? Like, what are you talking about? You know, he was just trying to sample, figure out what they were talking about. And, and, and they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered, answering, said unto him, Does thou, not, does thou alone sojourn in Jerusalem and not know the things which have come to pass there in these days? I was like, don't you know what's happening? Verse 19, and he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, The things concerning Jesus the Nazarene. Of course, they were talking about him himself, but their eyes were hold, um, holding so that they couldn't recognize him. You know, so they said, These things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Verse 20 And how the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21 But, but we hoped that it was he who should redeem Israel. Yeah, besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things came to pass. So they were thinking he would redeem them, not spiritually. I think most of them were thinking he was the one that would come and save them from the Roman rule. They were thinking something political, you know. So verse um, 22, Moreover, certain women of our company amazed us, having been earlier at the tomb, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
verse 24 and certain of them that were with us went to the tomb and found it not and found it even as the woman women had said but him they saw not 25 and he said unto them "O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken behoveth it not the christ that christ should suffer these things and to enter into his glory verse 28 which is the most important place i'm going to he says and beginning at Mo- from moses and from all of the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself so i'll read again he scolded them verse 25 he says oh foolish men and slow of hearts to believe in all that the prophets have spoken Believeth it, behoveth it not that Christ should suffer these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and from all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let me just quickly explain what happened here. You know, he said, these people were looking at what happened very naturally. You know, Jesus had died. Jesus had, the person that they were thinking would save them politically, just in natural, he had died and just three three days after, and they didn't understand why he would. They were kind of like, they were um, sad, you know. But Jesus realized that they didn't know the point. They didn't, they didn't understand that that is why Jesus came. So he said, oh fools and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Almost like the next verse, behoved Christ not to suffer these things and to enter into his glory like this is why he came that was the big point that you are f- foolish and you are just looking at things superficially you know I'm beginning at, from Moses and all of the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself so beginning at Moses he explained Moses and all of the prophets which is just a summary for the Old Testament Moses Moses is you know the law prophets are the prophets but that's just can just take that as the Old Testament and he explained all of that and used it to prove that all those things were actually about him you understand so um, that's the big point so to the degree that you don't you read the Old Testament and you don't see the big point of it is to the degree that you are foolish a foolish man sees the Old Testament and doesn't know that indeed it was all about Christ you know, Bible says God who had hundred times and in diverse manners speaking times of fathers, but had in this last day spoken in his son. But in those times, the summary was Christ. Let's just go to another um verse quickly. This was another place where Jesus was scolding some people. Um, you know, he said in John 5:39, he says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. You know. You have the Pharisees who are so diligent in Bible study, you know, in the Torah and all of that. But they didn't know that the point is actually about Christ. When you study the Old Testament so much, and you don't, you don't come to the acknowledgement that it is all about Christ. Christ is the sum total. Christ is the big point of all of this. You are missing the point. You know, when you look at um, John 5, 46, it says, for, um, Jesus said, you know, to the Pharisees, it says, for if you believed Moses... You would believe me for he wrote of me you know so all those authors the point is that they all it was all toward christ it was all about christ now let's look uh, more closely at the old testament we already said you know the quick um distinctions the law the psalms the prophets the gospels 
Now, looking at the Gospels, do you know that most the Gospels are technically still, you know, the Old Testament, most of it. You know, the Bible says in um, Hebrews 9, 16 to 17, it says, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength, strength at all, while the testator liveth. Which is just simple common sense. When you write, when you have a will, people don't begin to use the will until you are dead. Until Jesus died, they were still in the Old Testament. The only few parts of the Gospels, which is book, book Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only few parts of those books that are technically the New Testament, if you are trying to be very precise, are the parts after he rose from the dead. Glory to God. You know, so those are the only parts that, indeed, because a testament is not a force until the death of the testator. You know, that's why most of the people he spoke to, even though they were in the Gospels, they was, it was still relating to them like people in the Old Testament. And what's the distinct thing about people in the Old Testament? They don't have the Spirit of God. And for that reason, they are blinded to some things. It is not easy for them to understand the things of God. Glory to God. John 16 and 12 says, Jesus telling me, he says, I have many things to say to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth is gone, it will guide you into all of the truth. Meaning there were many things he wanted to say, but they could not understand it. They couldn't bear it. But he promised them that sometime in the future, when the spirit of truth is come, which is now, hallelujah, he would guide us into all truth. Praise the Lord, we have all truth. We have revelation. You know, some people may look at maybe First Corinthians 2 and 9 and it's this stuff like, um, um, as it is written, I have not seen, nor hear, heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Many times when people quote this scripture, they, they are quoting it amiss. It, it wasn't... That's, that was not the point that, oh, there are things that I have not seen that, you know, God is... No, you know, if you look at it, it says, but at his, as it is written, he was quoting from a verse in the Old Testament. He was quoting from Isaiah 64, verse 4. You know, that's where Isaiah said, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither have the, have the eye seen, oh God, besides thee, what he has prepared for them that wait, waited on him. So he was quoting that, now, the way to look at this is, look at the next verse of 1 Corinthians 2 and I. It says, I have not seen, nor hear, hear, heard, and all of that. Next verse, it said, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Hallelujah. We're in the era of revelation. God has revealed all those things. So, we are no more people who... So, if Jesus were to have contact with us, he would no more be able to say, I have many things to say unto you, but you can't be enemy. Now, he says, you can be it. Glory to God. You know, 1 Corinthians, um, 2 Corinthians 3 and 12 says, seeing them that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. So now we don't use symbols, we don't use sign, we don't use parables, because that's why one of the reasons Jesus had to, you know, teach in parables. You know, when he wanted to teach about the kingdom of heaven, he had to use natural things that he could understand. He could not say it directly because they, they were still blinded. You know, he hadn't resurrected. But now, glory to God, he says, we use great plainness of speech. Hallelujah. You know, so let's adjust the distinctions. We have also have you know the epistles and all of that. But let's go back to the old testament. Let's explore it a bit. Let's just um enjoy it a bit. You know, one thing about the old testament is there was a restlessness. You know, they all knew that something was amiss, something was wrong. You know, they all knew. Even the way sacrifices were offered was unsustainable. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 and 11, it says, day after day, every every priest stands and performs his religious duties. 
Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. You know, if you know about the um, how atonement was done, I, I can't go into that because it will take all of the time, but they covered their sins for, for, a, for a period. It was never a lasting sacrifice. If you read Hebrews, you know, 8, 9, 10, it just does it. You know, it's very exciting, but I definitely can't go into that. You know, so they offered, you know, the high priest would offer sins for the people of Israel, would offer, you know, offer two goats and also the bull for he himself. You understand? Then going to the holy, holy of holies and um, smear it until the mercy seat and all of that, and their sins will be covered for a time. So that's what they were doing. It was something that needed to be renewed. They were covering it. What the Bible says, it says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. You know, he offers the same sacrifices which can never actually take away sins. So it's crucial to understand that the Old Testament sacrifices did not take away sin. And those people in their hearts recognized this. They knew that something, this wasn't it. You know, so and in the midst of all of this, there were many things that acted as signs, posters, just shadows. You know, they knew that there was something to come. That's why David, who was very smart, he said something. He said, you do not delight in sacrifices. Speaking, speaking to God in a psalm, Psalm 51 verse 16. You do not delight in sacrifices, or I would bring it to you. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. David was smart enough to know that all these things, <laughs> these things are not the point. There was something, you know, and as the generations rolled on, God revealed more and more of his will. You know, so things that were more in signs and symbols in the um, law, they are now progressive revelations. Towards the end, if you look at some of the prophecies in Isaiah, they were so clear, like Isaiah 53. looks like something you can almost see in the New Testament because God was now revealing more. People are now understanding more that someone is coming. A Messiah is coming. You know, someone is going to take away our sins. Someone is going to do, there was just a new thing. You know, if you look at Job, Job said, I know my Redeemer. When he was talking about when, you know, his flesh will be resurrected. He just knew, he just knew that something was coming. So people would talk about this, you know, come together in hope, you know, talk around it in their campfires, talk to their children about it. You know, most of them died, you know, but they kept on, you know, they, they took it to the next generation, next, just knew someone was coming, you know. So it started with symbols, you know, for example, in Genesis 6, 8, um, God made the covenant with Noah to destroy the wicked and save the but and save the righteous. But in spite of that, you know, he destroyed the world, but sin still came. You know, God tried different ways. God tried to bring kings, you know, God, God tried to, he made a covenant with Moses when he was a man. So I gave him, you know, tablets of stone. At the same time he was doing that, the Israelites were still prostituting themselves with idols. You know, everything God did never really had lasting, a lasting solution. You know, um, but interwoven in all of this was just an indication that something was coming. So, um, this exhortation, if there can be a title to it, I'll probably just call it um, just exploring our righteousness. Um, but if there's a better title, maybe someone can, you know, but I just didn't have a title. But we'll just continue quickly before we begin to pray. So, interwoven in all of this were tiny seed like promises. We just gave insight into the heart of God. You know, they all fantasized about the coming of the Messiah. But, and the, the, the prophecies became clearer. Let's read Isaiah 9, for example, verse 6 to 7. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and all of that, you know, they, they, they knew, you know, a prophet organized that, that there was a kingdom coming, you know, a government coming, a child was coming, someone was coming. You know, if you look at Isaiah 1 and 18, it says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1 18. You know, if you read Isaiah 53, so many places, there were just promises which were becoming increasingly clear. You know, but do you know the interesting thing is that when Jesus, when the Messiah eventually came, they rejected him. Bible says in John when he says he came unto his own and his own received him not. You know, because they were expecting someone that looks different. After hoping, believing all this time through the eons, through the beginning of time of someone, Jesus eventually came, son of a carpenter, Joseph's son, and they just despised him. Like, who is this one? What is he talking about? Everything he said, they didn't take it seriously. You understand? Because they were still blinded. You know, they were expecting a political leader. Praise the Lord. So, eventually, I hope you enjoyed my story. Eventually, Jesus came. He gathered some disciples. It was towards the time he would die. At the end of the, the towards the end of his life, they even allowed the murderer to be pardoned instead of him. You know, Barabbas. You know. But let's look at something towards the very end when Jesus was on the cross in John 19, verse 28 to 30. I'll read it. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge filled with vinegar, vinegar, I'm not sure, and put it upon high soap and put it into his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. You know, and this is where I'm going to. It is finished. You know, after I've done this, he said, It is finished. You know, what was finished? Is it every single thing he did, he came to do, he came to accomplish that was finished? In a sense, yes, but in a sense, no. Because is everything that has to do with um, salvation and redemption and all of that that he had finished at that point that he said it is finished? No, because he still had to go into the depths below the earth, into hell. He still had to take captivity captive. Even after that, it is finished. He still had to ascend, he still had to go to heaven. You understand? For example, Ephesians 4, 8-9 says, Wherefore he said, when he has ascended on, on up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he, he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? You know, so after his ascension, he still had to descend, going to the depths of the earth to lead captivity captive. You know, even after, once he had resurrected, his job was still not done. If we read John 20, verse 17, Jesus, um, after when he was in the tomb and he resur- resurrected, um, 16 to 17, Jesus said unto her, Mary, she turned herself and said unto, unto him, Rabboni, you know, let me just skip a bit. And Jesus said unto her, like she tried to hug him, and just said unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to, to my father, but, to, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend up to my father and to your father and to, and to my God and to your God. This is a very amazing verse. You know, but let me just start from the reason I came here. He said, don't touch me because there's still work to do. I have not ascended yet. But this is the main part that so always, always makes me excited. He said, 
but go to my brethren and say unto me, I ascend unto my father and your father, to my God and your God. For the first time, after his resurrection, he was able to say, my father and your father. Glory to God. Prior to now, Jesus would say things like, I only do the things that I see my father do. It was always, but now he has, now he had the family. Now the, the work was getting complete. He said, my father and your father. You know, God was now a father to even Mary. Praise God. But let me just continue. You know, so he still had to do all of that. If you read Hebrews 8, just after the manner of, you know, the Old Testament, he still had to put blood on the mercy seat and all of that, you know. So, uh, if you read First Corinthians 15 and 18, it says, if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and you are yet in your sins. So when he said it was finished, it is finished, there were still a few things he had to do. You know, First Corinthians 15 says, if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and you are yet in your sins. So what was finished? Why did he say that? You know, let's explore why he said that. We can do that um, looking at Galatians 3 and 13. The Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. Galatians 3 13. So the part that finished is the vital connection to the law, which was a curse. Why was it a curse? Because none of us could follow the law without breaking it. And for, for that reason, we were all cursed by the law because we were condemned to breaking the law. So the fact of how sin remained because of the law, you know, meant that the law imputed sin on us. You know, so that was just what brought a curse. The origin of Galatians 3.13 is in Deuteronomy 21, 22 to 23. And to be clear, I'll read it. It says, If a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. Now, for many of us, if you um, read your Bible a bit, you, you understand that the Bible often uses the cross and the tree, you know, hanging on the tree, hanging on the cross, you know, like interchangeably. But in Deuteronomy 21, he said, For he that is hanged is accursed of God, and that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord had given thee for an inheritance. You know, so he was saying that in Deuteronomy here, in the Old Testament, he was saying, who, who, Whoever is hanged is a curse, is an abomination to God. God doesn't like to see that. You know, that is why Jesus Christ, that's where Jesus Christ became a curse for us. And that is at the point of which he said it is finished. Something vital happened there. First of all, it's an abomination in front of God for a person to be hung on a tree because of what it symbolizes. That is why God forsook him at that point. If you read Matthew 27, verse 46, you know, I'll read it. And about the ninth hour, Jesus Christ cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Laba, Sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why art thou forsaking me? For the first time, God left Jesus. God turned his face away from Jesus. You know, if you read Habakkuk 1 and 13, it says, God, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. God doesn't behold evil. God can't behold evil. So at that point, for the first time in Jesus' existence, God turned himself away from him. Why? Because he had become sin. He had become a curse for us. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For he had made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus Christ had to become sin. He had to become cursed so that we, 
could be made later the righteousness of of God in him. So it is finished is when that initial transaction, when he was, we were redeemed, we were bought. It is finished when that happened. And it's after that happened that we were able to now believe God to be saved. You know, if you look at a prophecy of Daniel in Daniel 29, 24, the Bible, um, Daniel prophesying, looking into the future, it says in verse 24, it says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. You know, David saw this ahead of time. So all these people, the reason I took us through this journey is to show us the progression of things, how people came, how people believed, and to show us the magnitude of what we have now. You know, sometimes some things that are very valuable take time. The best, some of the best meals take time to cook. But we just happen to be in this part. The Bible says, you know, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. You know, all those promises that they were giving them, you know, promised land, they were just wondering about it. If you read like Hebrews 11, they never got there. They never got to a land that was actually like the real promise. They were always just looking until the point when they just realized that this promised land is, is something beyond this. It's, it's spiritual. It was actually talking about the kingdom of God, but there's no time to go into that. It was actually beyond any of those things because they kept on growing in the So how are we different from people on, in the Old Testament? We had the real deal. We had the point. It, looked, it took long to make us, you know, um, the Bible says in, as I was saying earlier, Hebrews 11, 38 to 40, it says, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves. And this all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some, some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So we are the perfect ones. Hebrews 12 and 23 says, we have been called to the general assembly and to the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. We are the just men made perfect. Glory to God. You know, so we have all of the promises. We are the points. We are the reason it took time. That's why a Christian that doesn't live in the full revelation of what he is right now is a Christian that is like wasting, like it took long. You know, I almost feel like people in the ultimate, like they may look at us and just be jealous. Like, oh, I wish there could be, we could be in a time when I didn't have to offer every year, when I didn't have to, where there was just freedom. Like this is where the spirit of the Lord, of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we, all the promises have been fulfilled. We are not waiting for promises anymore. Glory to God. We have all of the promises. Second Corinthians 1 and 20 says, all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. It means yes and done. You know, so we look past and we give glory to God for, for him doing what he said he would do. Praise the Lord. So the promises are already done. If you look at Isaiah 53, you know, um, he says, by his stripes we were healed. I don't want to read the whole, the whole of it. He was talking about, he was prophesying about what Jesus Christ would do, you know, through his crucifixion. But Peter, quoting the same verse in 1 Peter 2.24, he says, by, this, by his stripes we were healed. Because now we were, that was, we were already past that time in the timeline. You understand? So, um, I, this is with the vein, this is um, from this spirit, we just um, begin to pray very soon. You know, praying, appropriating our completeness in Christ. 
you know, appropriating the fact that indeed it is finished. Indeed, he has taken care of sin. And we've even gone a step ahead beyond redemption. We've, we are justified. You know, we've received the premise. We've received the promise. We've received every single thing. We are able to, you know, now live and thrive. You know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it says, Hebrews is a book that talks about everything Christ has done. But 13 times it says, after knowing this, let us, let us do this, knowing fully that he has done this. Everything we do is a consequence of that knowledge. Praise the Lord. You know, Ephesians 4 and 33 says, And be ye kind-hearted, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ for God's, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So we are kind to one another because of a very strong knowledge of what he has done. Praise the Lord. You know, Titus 2 and 14 says, He has given himself for us to redeem us from all from all lawlessness and, and to purify us a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. We're able to be zealous for good deeds because of a strong knowledge of righteousness. You know, so I'll just enjoin us to go ahead and pray. You know, finish. hallelujah. As usual, um, I'm going to give opportunity for, you know, for us, if anyone has a, a word, a tongue, a song, anything that can bless the house in line with what we've been talking about yes your opportunity hallelujah praise god praise the lord i would just like to say uh, one thing in line with this and it's just a verse of scripture isaiah 54 and verse 17. Um, as we go about our weeks this i mean as we go about our week as we go about our life um in line with the things that we have said i want us to remember this I'll read from the NIV. Um, I can later read from the King James. It says, No weapon forged against you will prevail. No weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, saith the Lord. This is their vindication from me, saith the Lord. I'll read it from the King James. It says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in in judgment, you shall condemn. You will condemn every tongue that rises up against you. It says, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is for me. Their righteousness comes from me. So no weapon this week, no weapon, not made man-made, nothing that has ever been made by man will able to be will, will be able to come against us in the name of Jesus. This is what I just feel in my spirit. No weapon, no matter what it is, every guilt, every, every every barrier, every limitation, nothing formed against you will be able to prosper. It says every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you will condemn. You will condemn. And that's one of the things that we are doing in this place. It says their righteousness. Their righteousness is from me. Hallelujah. Praise, Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. You know, that's that's just all scripture just aligns. That's just, you know, the point. It's a gift. You know, our righteousness is a free gift. It's a free gift. You know, I'm reminded of like 
the prodigal son who was clothed and all of that. But thank you, Michael. Michael, Lali, wanted to say something? No, I was, um, I was just trying to say just thank you. I did, I, I was praying that I should not even stop us because it's been long after the gospel like this, you know. It's been long. This is just the raw gospel of Jesus Christ. My heart is like sore again. It's like somebody has crept my heart again, you know. I'm just... Sometimes you forget the beauty of what Jesus has done. And like the words, the phrase you used, you said, these things took long. You know, we, we, we are the we are the we are the promise. He says, um, he says that without us they could not be made, be made perfect. It just means compared to us, there was their the, the, the salvation was was almost pseudo. As is as is total salvation. You know, we are the ones that the world was waiting for, the prophets inquired to look into. And just knowing that we are privileged to be in this time, we are sons of, of, of God. Behold, O man of love, it is the Father's bestowed upon us that we may be called the sons of God. This is just beautiful, Sorry, beautiful Sorry, gospel. This is, this is good news. Sorry, this is beautiful gospel. Sorry, I'm just reminded of how we prince with God, you know. Um, you know, it, it just makes me, it's almost sacred. I have this fear of him again out of the worth of what he has given unto me. And it's just, it's just beautiful, you know. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you very much. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Any other person? Um, It'll be male consultant, um, you know, because we'll, we'll be closing soon. Chibuye. Yeah. Yeah. In Gandui. I think it's Gandui. <laughs> oh, okay. Gandui. Yeah. Sorry. Gandui. Sorry for messing up. Yeah. For messing up your name. He's a lovely Zambian you know. sister. Um, this is. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. It's fine, no, <laughs> All right. So let's let's just um, go ahead and you know give God praise, you know, in the spirit and tongues, preferably. Bible says he that um, give thanks in tongues, give thanks well. So we just give thanks, God praise. We thank Him for um, His gifts. We thank Him again anew for what we are. We thank Him for the privilege, you know to be this people you know for the gift of righteousness let's just go ahead and you know just just bless this holy name i kind of didn't get on michael said i just remembered i don't know how he came to me you know, he said he says every tongue that rises up against us in judgment shall be condemned he says and jesus said their righteousness is of him so it's like god this is like we have the right and all the authority to stare down satan and and rebuke him and his his works because our righteousness is of him to understand we have that authority we cannot be accused because because our, our righteousness is of him so as we go there's sickness whether it's any obstacle whether it's anything we can we can shut Sorry, it down and say our righteousness is of him. he has nothing on us he has no report card that you can report because if he reports us to god god will say see his right that his righteousness is from me to understand so as my righteousness is as righteous as, as, as i'm righteous so we can stare him down and this is how jesus cast out demons because the moment he set his eyes upon those who are afflicted he had accepted them and at that moment satan had no right to stay because his mere thinking of them and setting his eyes upon them he had accepted them and that's why i could see he had he said come out of them because he had given them, at least for that moment, an acceptance. And that's why even the, 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 the demoniac from Gadarene, the Bible says, as, he went, as Jesus saw him, the Bible says, as Jesus came and looked and saw him from afar, the guy came to Jesus and worshipped him, meaning he fell under the power of God. Because as Jesus had set his eyes upon him, Satan had no longer had any rights. That's even, 
in, in a two-party system from one to another, not, not even, even talking of we who are in Christ. We have authority over darkness because our righteousness is from him. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's very wonderful. Praise, Praise God. God. I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah, 